Hello, everybody, and welcome to What's the Problem, the podcast where we dive deep into the most pressing issues facing cyber and data security leaders today. In each episode, we're joined by expert guests who are going to share their insights with you and their experiences on some of the things that they're seeing in the world of security. So whether you are a seasoned veteran or a new leader in the field, this show provides some valuable info and some strategies to get your organization moving up and to the right to the next level. So join us today as we explore the ever-evolving landscape of security and discover a few things that you can take away from the episode and immediately incorporate into your, your business. This is What's the Problem? I am your host, Mike Crass. Today, let's get started. We are joined by E.E. Miao, E.E. from OpSWAT. Say hello to our listeners and our viewers. Hello, everyone. It's nice to meet everyone here. Thank you for having me. Thank you, Mike. Absolutely. So, E.E., tell our, our viewers, you know, what's your background? Why are you qualified to talk about security? Sure. Um, so, I actually currently work for a critical infrastructure protection cybersecurity company named OpSWAT. Um, the reason I think I'm qualified for this conversation is because I have serviced the company over 14 years. And over the time that we have worked with multinational companies, all in critical infrastructure, international governments, uh, domestic companies, which are all critical for our way of life. And we have dealt with a lot of solutions, technologies that help the customer solving real challenges in their current or future planning and strategies for the cybersecurity and how to protect their infrastructure, which provides the infrastructure for, uh, for our day-to-day -day lives. Are you one of the original OpSWAT team members? You said 14 years, you've been there for a while. That's exactly right. When I joined the company, it was only about 20 something people. And today the company has grown over 600. Wow, 20 to 614 years, that's pretty impressive. Thank you. Well, today, besides uh, you know, gushing over the impressive growth of OpSwat, really what we wanted to explore with the listeners and the viewers today is ways to proactively strategize you know, your defense against potential critical infrastructure incidents and I think we're going to take a specific vertical to start with, right? E, we're going to talk about energy first. So yes. could you just start by telling our, our viewers a little bit about, you know, building that strategy for that defense, uh, for that, that energy infrastructure? Great. Um, I think this is a great starting point. So the reason I think picking energy is important is, first of all, let's talk a little bit about how to define a critical infrastructure. Now, of course, every country or region have their own definition, but all in all, it looks very similar. Uh, we use the definition from uh, Homeland Security, which defines pretty much 17 sectors, but everybody should realize that there is one vertical, which is the energy that actually provides the core demand for every other critical infrastructure to even function, right? Energy is the core for our life, for everything. And um, the, rain, the main reason to strategize uh, the protection for the critical infrastructure in the energy sector is pretty much the same principle as how you will protect the other verticals, whether it's a bank or it's a government or it's a critical manufacturing uh, facilities, because the overall architecture and the infrastructure, the network structure, everything is very complicated in those 
uh, space. And typically in the last, I would say during the pandemic in, 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 in the last couple of years, uh, the trend uh, hasn't stopped in terms of nation state sponsored attacks and a mm -hmm. lot of additional uh, incident and breaches that has happened to these critical infrastructures. And anytime these things happen, it causes real pain and very destructive outcomes for people's life, such as the pipeline disruption, uh, the mail service stopping, uh, you know, uh, the hospital shutdown. Think about what can happen if some of these infrastructure uh, got sabotaged because of there is not enough defense strategies being defined and actually being pushed all the way uh, from the IT all the way to the OT side. And that's what we think we should focus on today as, as a topic. Yeah, so let's, uh, I, I see two, two discussion points here. There's, there's probably the viewers who have some sort of strategy already in place. And then there's probably others who are just starting to think about this um, or they're in the initial stages, maybe because their business is kind of up and coming. They haven't had to think about this just yet, right? So mm -hmm. they're now, they're facing that growing pain of like, congrats, we're getting big enough to have to have a plan about this kind of stuff. Um, so let's take, let's take that uh, audience first. If you don't have a plan or a strategy for defense, what are some of the tenants, especially, you know, specific to the energy space and critical infrastructure, what are some of the tenants of building that plan that you would recommend? That's great starting point. In fact, that we actually helped uh, new facilities or organizations that are planning for their uh, expansion of a footprint uh, or a building additional infrastructure on top of their current ones or even renovating the existing ones, uh, architecting and designing how to protect and block the loopholes and attack vectors while they're designing the infrastructure. Because it is very important to do that from the beginning uh, instead of you design the infrastructure and then you try to back patch uh, where are the gaps and the loopholes. Uh, that's very important. And also, um, as the recent years, we start hearing a lot of these, uh, I would say, terminologies such as zero trust concept. You know, there's a, particularly for the energy sector, there are lots of regulations. Um, there are a lot of regulations that already uh, kind of mandate certain security practices or even a particular business processes, they have to be secured. And there are lots of uh, penalties for not fulfilling that. So we- Could you no name matter, one of those regulations or mandates just to, to throw an example into the, the chat? Absolutely. For example, yeah. just state-wise for uh, energy sectors, NERC SIP uh, is actually one of the uh, very uh, famous one. And okay. you know during those, analysis for all of these compliance mandates and guidelines, organizations are required to either transform or re-implement a lot of security control processes to make sure that they are auditing, they are preventing you know, threats and any particular loopholes that could be ignored in the past because people would not think about how to block those loopholes in the early days, and now the mandates almost like drop on top of them, right? Yeah. It's not like the mandates are newly developed. 
those things could have already be existed for decades. It's just a matter of priority for the organization to start thinking about. So when you start new, start fresh, it's always to, to uh, the best practice to start planning that together without trying to backpatch it after, after you have already done your initial scoping. That's a perfect segue. You're, you're not starting fresh and we are having to backpatch. You know, any recommendations for, for that approach? Because I'm sure that you run into to clients all the time that are in that situation. It's probably not on All the time, exactly. So that's actually, today, there are so many cybersecurity companies in the world. And I have to say that. And there are lots of solid solutions, uh, great leaders in the space. Um, a lot of customers we met, you know, there is concepts of, I want to buy the best of breed solutions for every single category of solutions that I know about. There's, I won't say there's anything wrong about that thought. However, the overarching problem is that when you start accumulating a long list of vendors and solutions, and when you're trying to put them together, when you're trying to integrate them together, because critical infrastructure is not like a business office or you know enterprise offices it's not simple you know there is not a single uh, networks or something that you can just provide uh, a whole protection layers and you can see everything through there are so many things that will remain undiscovered or because of uh you know the whole distributed fashion thinking about power generation uh stations which sometimes it's completely in the places where there is no human access to those stations. What are you gonna do with those stations? How do you really transfer the data in and out of those stations? How do you uh, identify problems? How do you patch the systems, right? Thinking about how do you move the data from the operational side uh, back into your IT infrastructure for security analysts to, to do anything about it. And a lot of security solutions today is very good at identifying the existing infrastructure, maybe in one of the isolated space, um, okay. but it's very difficult to integrate. So for that, you kind of need a platform that is able to see the data flowing between these different domains and you will be able to kind of build these passages so that you can kind of look through who brought the data when, to where and is this person privileged to do so? And okay. just this example of questions, if you ask to a lot of uh, organizations, they may not actually have a simple answer for you because it wasn't that visible. Is OpSWAT that platform? Is this, is this an opportunity to plug OpSWAT here? So not to make it overly uh, marketing-ish, uh, sure. but our approach is less of hey, you know, we're, we're a big platform so that you get everything off the platform. I think the main thing we're trying to focus on is helping customers solving the real problems. And really the angle is when we talk about zero trust, it is not just about definition of what zero trust is. It's, it's almost like, do you really know? Can you really identify what you're missing out? Do you really know what you have? And how do you establish that zero trust concept to provide the right access to the right people to the right uh, access point 
right? And also, how do you audit this entire trail and how do you build a process? Because a lot of organizations, they have business processes, but they don't have yeah. business processes that kind of fused with security practices. So when security mandates start coming on top of it, the business process got disrupted or people will be like, that's how I used to do things because that's what, what we have been documented for decades, right? And when you're trying to reinvent a whole process, that's expensive, that's sometimes completely infeasible. So the way for security to be laying over on top of the existing business process, it's very critical is how do you help them define it and most importantly, is integrated into their business process. So they are transferring data. So you help them to securely transfer the data. They are monitoring their assets. You help them to widen uh, the visibilities and be able to automate a lot of visibilities. And that's, I think, is the new approach. And I think that's what a lot of the buyers or uh, the leaders are currently looking for is for solutions that is effective. And another important part is human element. Um, because one of the things I found <laughs> during conversations with customers is there are lots of great solutions out there, but yeah. the customers simply do not have the human resource to operate. They don't have very well-trained resources, uh, the place where they want them to be at. Mm -hmm. And that's the challenge is you can probably sit on a very expensive investment from a solution perspective, but the people sitting on top of that solution, they don't really know how to use it the best way. Mm -hmm. they, don't have, they don't know how to implement it the best way. Which I can imagine that leads to, <clears throat> I guess the word I would use is maybe friction within the organization using the example you started our, our session with today these organizations want the best in breed of every category. And that's great, but if you're sitting on the best racehorse for every category and, and every need that you have, but you don't have actually the, the human resources to use them and, and uh, not, not just use them, to your point, grow with them, right? Because as new mandates come on top, it's, it's not like they could just buy it once and use it the same way forever, right? It's going to change over time. Um, yeah. So it seems like that's a big barrier as well that goes beyond just being a technology product and 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 addressing the these critical infrastructure defenses. Whether you're starting from scratch or whether you're backpatching, it seems like the human the human resources component is is the big wild card there, the big question mark of how much do you have and and are you able to leverage your investments um, or are they not going to be leveraged to the best of their ability because you don't have the resources to, to do so. Yeah, and, and typically when uh, any organization decided to invest and they already felt that they have invested and the things are working, they will most likely keep things going on because right. the concept is, hey, if it's working, why we break it? But yeah. um, typically what happens is that, you know, sometimes they will not be very well prepared to uh explore uh you know additional uh, replacement or any newer technologies that could possibly you know change and save a lot of redundant processes already in place even though things are already working but it's not efficient or 
just uh, it could be way too expensive until uh, they realized it. So um, our recommendation typically is to really trying to look for the use cases and the technologies that you have chosen and put the operational cost on top of that and do a, a analysis of the overall ROIs and also kind of like the really the operational maintenance overhead that you need to operate these solutions, integrating the solutions together to get where you want it. And maybe by looking at that and also look at where is your weak link, because typically the malicious actors, they like to explore the easy path in, and those easy paths may not be actually protected in any ways by those very heavy investment. They may find a completely different loophole that is super easy to catch, but it's not being covered. And how do you identify that and redirect some of your existing investment to block those attack vectors would be very much important. And I would say is the economical way to really do that and to strategize your future investment and choose the right technologies and implementations to kind of block those and to reduce your attack surface, of course. As we come to the end of our session today, um, a couple of rapid fire questions. So you mentioned, mm -hmm. uh, and, and keep me honest here, Homeland Security defines 17 different types of critical infrastructure. I got that number correct, right? 17. Mm -hmm. Correct. Okay. Yes. Um, just in your experience, since you've, you've been at OpSWAT for almost a decade and a half and you've got experience before that, what, what are some of the easiest, easiest paths within those 17 sectors and which ones do you see that are more fortified? Essentially, which ones do the, the bad actors look at and go, oh, this is, this is gonna be a whole lot of work to try and get in here versus, ooh, like this is easy money over here. We should focus this direction. Do you have any uh, you know, experience to share there? <laughs> I don't want to throw any panic here, but in fact sure. that almost all the critical infrastructures are um, struggled in some ways, uh, whether they are heavily invested or they're just getting started um, because, the, because the impact to bring down some of those critical infrastructure can have real, real heavy consequences on uh, people's life beings. And nowadays, everything can be explored, uh, whether it's from communication or government, uh, banking, financial services, energy sectors, uh, water, waste, water, critical manufacturing, you name it. Uh, but of course, I think regardless of how prepared versus not prepared these verticals are, the mandates also, they have, um, I would say, a different time lag. Because for example, energy sectors, they actually had more, uh, I would say mandates and regulations compared to some other verticals who just get started. But that doesn't mm -hmm. mean that those mandates will not start spreading over. And okay. it's just a matter of time that the government may start requiring a similar standard across all of those critical infrastructure. And not only it's domestic governments, also expanded all the way to the international governments who actually learn from each other and trying to protect their critical infrastructure, particularly during the, the current times. It's very, very important to strategize almost for every vertical possible, no matter which industries you're in. 
Well, I appreciate you. I put you on the spot there with that question. Um, so E, I, I appreciate you kind of sharing that last bit of knowledge with our listeners and our viewers. And to our listeners and viewers today, that is a wrap for this episode of What's the Problem? We hope you found our conversation with E.E. Meow to be informative, to be insightful. Hope that you walked away with a few things that you can immediately take away and, and implement. Uh, and remember to tune in next time for more discussions on similar topics. Also, I do want to give a quick shout out to MKG Marketing. MKG is focused on helping cyber businesses get found, get leads, and close deals. So if your security business is struggling to do any of those things, let us help you. To learn more, you can visit the website mkgmarketinginc.com. Thank you again for listening. Don't forget to subscribe, leave a rating. EE has told me he only likes six-star ratings out of five-star scales. So please don't let our guests down. Six stars. Uh, until next time, my friends, he, he say uh, goodbye to the viewers. Thank you. Goodbye, everyone.